Hello and thanks everybody for your time and interest in order to listen this audios. So today we have another special guest. His name is Gareth Scott, who is a COO or better say chief of an operation officer about the Scottsville Auto Group. But also you are one of the few in this province living the experience of a certified passive house building. So can you tell me a little bit more about uh, about that? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So we opened our passive house uh, car dealership. Uh, I guess it would be basically just over a little over a year ago. And uh, it currently houses our Scott Subaru, uh, which is our Subaru ship here in Red Deer, Alberta. And, uh, you know, we wanted to do something different. We wanted to, uh, you know, not just build something run of the mill, but also focus on some other points that I think get often overlooked in, especially in car dealer, car dealership builds. Uh, I can't speak for everything, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of inefficiencies that came with the dealership build that, uh, you know, we thought we could address and this, this opportunity, you know, aligned really nicely with our Subaru brand to, to share this sort of message about passive house. But I think the biggest thing that, uh, apart from definitely consumption savings, there's no doubt about that. Uh, we're spending roughly the same amount, uh, we were in a building, that was half the size or even less than half the size prior to this. And we've also gone from a staff of 12 to about 22 now. Uh, so most of our consumption really is, is human consumption. It's us, it's our, it's our laptops, it's our equipment, it's whatever, uh, whatever we need to get the job done is really what's driving our, our energy bills up. It's not building itself. That's, that's the one plus. Um, the other, the other side of it is this whole livability factor. We don't, we don't suffer from rapid temperature swings like it happens in some other commercial buildings. Uh, we have west facing exposure, so when the sun picks up in the day, normally in our other buildings it would almost superheat the place. Uh, compared to what we have now, which we still have the same 16-foot windows on the front of the building, but the way our constant HRV is working, the warm air is circulated around where it's needed, colder air is being moved, and that air remains fresher. Uh, the pressure and the humidity levels in the building remain constant, so it's really it's really nice from that standpoint. Uh, Typically during this type of year where we move into fall, the air gets a little bit drier and the air gets a little bit colder. Uh, I noticed with myself getting you know, just uh, that uncomfortable and stuff like that. And I don't, I don't have that sitting here in my office today. It's, uh, it's, it's awesome. And uh, we've, we haven't really dealt with a lot of sick days or anything like that. So apart from making an environmental statement, I think the, the livability actually means passive house is luxury, right? And that's how we look at it. No, that's a, that's a really good approach about uh, what uh, what you were mentioning about uh, yeah all the efficiencies that you're talking about, right? Uh, and, and trying to kind of live the experience, not only uh, see everything in, in, in books, but uh, you actually put it everything together in your building and, and you're actually living the experience. So, um, something that intrigued me the most is basically 
where the idea to uh, build a passive house came from. So what was your background in that regard? Like from where did the conception begun? Okay. Uh, what we wanted to do with, with our Subaru brand was not just build a new dealership, but build a bit of a statement piece. We like to uh, try and grow our reach throughout the province and throughout Western Canada. And we wanted to do something very unique from a marketing level, number one, but two from, uh, you know, to separate us from the competition and, and the experience and everything else, do something different. So originally we started with an idea to get somewhere in the realm of a building that was either like a, a net zero building or something that had maybe leads, uh, platinum rating or, or something of that nature. And then, uh, and when we started looking around and, and trying to figure out uh, which would fit best for us, well, there hadn't been a passive house car dealership yet. And, you know, we felt, okay, now we have the opportunity to make like a world's first statement, almost, you know, from a car dealership standpoint. And uh, that was really cool. So that, that kind of thinking, we always wanted to do something a little bit more efficient, a little bit more uh, unique that, uh, that we could be proud of and that would also you know, be a, be a, like a luxury setting too, you know, where we, we have a better quality building. So we have a better quality, you know, user experience inside. And then we kind of stumbled upon passive because of our, our architect, they had got us in touch with somebody who had done passive house buildings uh, past and they took on that challenge. And then, you know, now here we are, we've got this certainly unique, certainly statement piece building, but uh, something that uh, that checked all those boxes prior to it with uh, with very little knowledge on my part. I, I didn't actually know what Passive House Building was before we started this conversation of doing a new Subaru store. That's kind of how we ended up getting there was Passive checked all the boxes that we wanted to do in terms of, you know, uniqueness, the environmentally friendly side of it, but also the, the enhanced ability. And then also take that step to help our marketing angle and our our approach to be st to stand out from the rest of the dealership body and have something that's like a world first or a, a first or the most unique kind of message right and uh, uh something that i've i've done is a little bit of research about uh from where this conception in, in order to you to kind of build this building for your car dealership I think I read somewhere that uh, it took you around two years in order to kind of just go through all the design process. Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, when you got into economics, for example, when it came the the conversation about how much your building is going to cost, did you get scared in a bit or, or you were, well, whatever, whatever it takes, I, I want to make it work. What, what was your approach on that regard? So, <clears throat> address the economic side of it. Uh, yes, there was definitely a few additional costs that came with a passive house building that are outside of what, you know, you would have in a conventional build. And I shouldn't really say they're additional costs. There, there definitely are additional costs, but they're more different costs. You're just buying different equipment you're you're insulating in a different fashion which yep does cost more in 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 that you're basically adding a third layer of insulation that buildings don't have right so there's definitely those additional costs and we did reach a point where we ended up 
decontenting some of our building to uh, to allow for those costs and to make sure that we re- passive side of things. You know, we wanted to have a rooftop lounge, but the expense got too big, so we ended up cutting that out um, so that we could keep going the passive route. Those were those were kind of a luxury thing, obviously, that we wanted to have. And you know, was it necessary? Absolutely not. It would have been cool to have for sure. But uh, on the other side of things, you mentioned the two years of planning. So that's something that we didn't really anticipate. So we had to measure all sorts of crazy metrics, like how many times our doors were opening, whether that be, you know, man doors, you know, for, for human travel through or, for, or, or big overhead bay doors for, for our cars to travel through. We had to, we had to measure how many times a day that we anticipated those to be opening with the, you know, obviously hopeful increase in business and where we were going with this building to how that would play play into our our overall passive rating so we ended up having to sacrifice in a few areas there too where our service drive-through we were hoping to have a reception area that had four doors in it so we could have two lanes of service reception we ended up going with just two and having kind of a unique parking set up inside as opposed to uh, uh, two straight through drive-through lanes so there's definitely a lot of plan that went into it and the other thing that I think finishes that off is, is passive does take a little bit longer to build. So some of our needs, because our Subaru store is growing and it was growing at a nice rate and our old building, we had just flat out outgrown it. So we didn't quite get in as soon as we had hoped. There was a few setbacks, uh, mostly weather related uh, because you have to insulate the outside of your building before you put the, uh, the kind of the final uh, aesthetic layer on it or whatever you want to call it that finishing layer uh you can't do that in the rain with installation so uh the in 2018 the uh months of september it rained like almost all month or no so they couldn't that really slowed things down like a 30 days and you know uh with the the windows uh they there's only two suppliers that we were able to source really from the whole world our our windows ended up from a company called Gallhofer. That was the doors, windows. That's a, that's a unique product that not many glass companies are doing. So when we ordered those pieces, the comment was, well, they kind of get there when they get there. Nobody else does it, and we're we're uh, we're going to do our best, but that's all we can do. That, that slowed things down a bit, too. And, again, you know, it's just a – we were – committed to doing something different so you just kind of have to live with that when you're building something that's a first it usually isn't first and fastest (laughs) yeah for sure i think this level of commitment right once that you are pre-driven in in start this endeavor to do the first in your in your community in your local community of course like there's a lot of unknowns that you cannot uh, foresee, yeah. right? And all of a sudden you are pre-immersed in the situation. It's like, well, let's push forward, right? So uh, in terms of in the design process, like I, I can understand that you have this amazing idea and all of a sudden, yeah, you got in touch with an architect, which uh, all of a sudden, yeah, you got uh, the proper team together. Uh, during the process of design, can you say that uh, it was like uh, a smooth process or, or you can feel like it, it was a lot of unknowns that you kind of just trying to kind of figure out as you progressed? What, what you can tell me about? 
You know, I, I've done now three different buildings and two of them were conventional in my career, three different dealership buildings, two of them were conventional and now obviously our passive house. And I don't think even in the conventional build, everything went smoothly, but, uh, I say with this passive house build, the, the, the areas where we were experiencing resistance or, or the design plan or the planning slowed down would have been just around the knowledge and, uh, you know, having to bring in inexperienced trades when it comes to passive house and explain, you know, some of the stuff that our passive house building does, the, the trades didn't actually believe, right? <laughs> they, were, they were kind of miffed by the whole, you know, how, how exactly work. And that went right through from, you know, basically to engineers right down to, you know, the framing trades that were putting this, uh, this together for us so it was a it was a bit of a learning process and that learning really took the extra time and that was where you know you, you had to kind of back on your your students hat so to speak and start to, to brush up on it to make sure everything worked well for me who was the eventual end user and the guy paying the bills so uh, that would have been probably our biggest setback during the planning phase was just making making those uh, pushes to make sure everyone was educated properly enough to, to have a general understanding of how everything was going to work. Cause there's very, you know, there was very forward thinking people involved in this uh, and very, very pass open to passive. And then there's people that, you know, didn't really quite understand it. So they were, you know, uh, I, I would just say they would object to some of the things they would hear cause they didn't, they've never seen it done Right. So, yeah, one of my following questions was, what was the, the most challenging situation where you went through this uh, system of design? So you can tell that uh, basically the education of all the parties in order to come together to an holistic solution, that was the, the major struggle, pretty much, education? Yeah, I would think it was the implementation of, of, of a few things. The, the biggest point was... Probably engineers, you know, if you wanted to have a local engineer here, we did. And there was some unique things that Passive does that our engineers, you know, they, I think, uh, I think in, in some cases in Alberta, maybe we, we might have, we, we were thinking about over-engineering this building because of our extreme cold temperatures that we can have it at certain times. And the engineer didn't want to be, uh, you know, uh, didn't want to be felt that they were giving us a product that wouldn't perform. So some of these, some of these things that we had to wrap our head around slow, slowed it down and, and made it, made it a little bit, uh, I guess, uncomfortable <laughs> at times, but, uh, cause there was some, you know, disagreeing or arguing back and forth, but in the end it all got done. And you know what, we're a year in now we went through, a full winter and we've pretty well gone through a full summer and we're uh we're doing basically exactly as the building is supposed to we've had a few little setbacks with some unique nuances that come with only passive that i can get into later if you'd like but uh yeah other than that i would say that the best way to summarize it was you know getting people who were unfamiliar with passive educated to a point where they were confident that what we were going to implement would actually perform the way it's supposed to. 
Yeah, and uh, well, I, I know for sure that uh, this type of principles or, or this type of industry, like passive house uh, concept, like is pretty is pretty typical in the West Coast, right? Where the actual weather is is way different, right? So a lot of uh, materials are pretty much uh, according to what they are doing. And again, right, adds me like a lot of uh, different types of buildings that I think the learning curve already passed over there. But here in Alberta, when we have like this fluctuant extreme weather you know and uh, just trying to kind of being the pioneer on this uh, type of system using like the diverse type of material that uh, we have worked in the past right it is is hard to kind of just understand how everything needs to come together in order to kind of have a, a good result right so you were saying that uh, if i'm not mistaken the dealership uh, opened the doors past year in may 2019 right so you mentioned a little bit uh, about uh, you, you already passed all this year process. So I understand that the, from the point of view of the design, it was certain things that, uh, well, you you were talking about like uh, open and closed doors, right? Because, of course, as you have service bay, well, you have like in and out uh, services procedures during the, the whole situation that the design process need to kind of just foreseen a little bit. So we know the other part, which is construction which was a little bit of a more learning curve, uh, the education of all the trades about the different principles. What about the operation and maintenance? So can you tell me a little bit more about that process during this year that you have operating your building? How, how have been that uh, working so far, taking into consideration the other uh, car dealerships uh, built in the uh, regular way? Sure. So... Operational-wise, we have an individual here in our auto group that is responsible um, for kind of the maintenance of our assets, so buildings, uh, equipment, that sort of thing. Those are also pretty simple as well. Your machinery, yes, it is, and your equipment is more expensive. There's no no doubt about that. But uh, this building is... A bit of a set it and forget it. There's HRV units. We have Wash Bay actually froze some of those filters. So we were having some HRV problems. But now that we simply know to go up and check <laughs> um, cells, we're doing exactly as they're supposed to. When the filter froze solid, the system shut down, protected itself, and uh, we didn't have any issues. And, you know, we did buy more expensive, but no dumbs to belts and timing and, you know, grease pieces or whatever it may be that your traditional equipment has. And and that's quite nice. They're all located on our second floor or right on the roof. They're easy to get to our maintenance for that system. Frankly, we have all the expertise we need right here now to do it ourselves. So it's quite nice that way compared to our uh, more conventional builds for sure. And there's a little... You know, there, there's some different things like uh, this winter we're going to be installing some wind barriers near our front doors because they are west-facing. So when a northwest, northwest breaks up, uh, some of the heavier passive doors become, <laughs> become quite difficult and they can, uh, they can be hard to, uh, to open or close when that happens. So having that wind barrier there, just uh, that's more of a user comfort type thing. It's not a... It's not a necessity or a maintenance item. It's just the door weighs a whole heck of a lot. And if the wind picked up while you were opening it, it can kind of toss you around if you're not careful. So we just have a couple little things like that to uh, 
to look at. But but other than that, I mean, the maintenance stuff is, is pretty simple. The overhead doors, because of their unique nature, are definitely probably overbuilt as well. And um, but they're they're very high end. They're very easy, but they're very easy to maintain. They just the reason I say they're overbuilt is these doors are very thick and heavy, and and uh, they need to be to keep those uh, those passive requirements there. So we just have bigger motors, bigger bigger operating tracks and that sort of thing to deal with them. But from a maintenance standpoint, it's no, it's no more maintenance than, uh, than any traditional door would have been. It just looks a whole heck of a lot bigger is all. How do you like it so far? Thank you for being with us. If you want to know about the following part, just keep in touch and follow us for the next part of this episode. And please don't forget to leave me a review on whichever platform that you're using to listen in this podcast, either good or bad. Remember, Mexican have thicker skin, you will hurt my feelings, that's for sure. And better yet, if it has some good criticism so I can learn from it and improve it, that will be even greater. I understand this hasn't been perfect, but it can be better every time. I recognize your time is valuable. I would like you to enjoy this moment with me as well. Also. If you like what you get from this audio, I will recommend you to be the first to share this info with your friends, so maybe they can get something valuable from it as well. Thanks for listening, and let's meet again soon.